Hi, this is Tony Silva. Charles Wiz. And this is Two Teachers Talking, episode 58. Charles and I get together and talk about teaching, teaching English in Japan, and all the fun and joy and downsides of all of that. And uh, Happy New Year. Uh, this is our January 1st episode beginning the year 2015. Um, as you can tell from that way funky Japanese intro music there. So well, that explains that. Yeah, well, this is the big holiday here, right? This is the big one. And it's true. We, it's true. This is. Yeah. This is the big. This is the only time that people in Japan actually slow down. <laughs> with a little bit, with a little bit of Hanami too. Yes, the, bit, it's, so, yeah, different. It, it's different. It's different. It's different. It's different. But yeah, this is this is the big one. Yes, this is the big. Go one. back to your family. Be with the people, you know, who raised you. Right, your your real core people, and slow down. Get under those kotatsus. And for those of you who yeah, don't a, know a, what a kotatsu <laughs> is, it's just it's like it's a table, usually a low table, that has a heater. <laughs> heating unit built into it underneath and then you put a blanket over it and it just keeps you unbelievably toasted in the middle and of a cold if you don't understand that look at wikipedia <laughs> yes go to wikipedia if you have a question about kotatsu <laughs> anyway so it's january first our new, first podcast of the year and tony and yeah so i mean this we're is, gonna the, start the topic, it with... is it well the because it's the beginning of the year and it's the end of the year and, it, and especially here where the semester is kind of winding down you know, we're all looking at maybe like a month or maybe two weeks, sometimes three weeks. Some of you are already done. Um, burnout. <laughs> um, you know, you kind of gotten through the academic year and some of us might be feeling a little bit of that burnout. Well, that's the one version of burnout. The other version of burnout I think that most people think about with teaching is long-term burnout when you're burned out on the profession. Uh-huh. So we're uh-huh. kind well, of going to be... Every dollar is made up of dimes. <laughs> well, that was deep. Would you just say that again, please? <laughs> it's, 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 it can be cumulative, and it can all add Where up. Where did you right? find but, but that? Where did you find that saying? Uh, did you just I, create I stole, it? I, no, I stole it. Stole it? Wait. I stole it. <laughs> stole it, Merlin, man. Anyway. <laughs> uh, thanks, Merlin. <laughs> Hi, this is our new podcast for the year, and we're on to a good start. Yeah, well, dimes you know, and it's dollars. A, it's it's a holiday, man. It's a holiday. So yeah, here we are, and um, yeah, and you, 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 good point though. It's, it's like, well, that's one kind of burnout. Nothing about. Well, what the hell is it? I mean, what are we talking about? What is burnout? Well, why don't you? <laughs> I asked you first. <laughs> uh, well, I'm a little burned out. <laughs> that duh, burnout. Well, it's an interesting thing. I think first off, um, Tony, we have to really break it into. Kind of this temporal thing, as you said, every dollar well, is made of times. Right? Everything different is made types. up of units of time. Yeah, there yeah. is um, the burnout. I know where people who have been teaching and they've been teaching too long, and it's time for them to move on to find something. That else. is, yeah, the that joy is, is the gone. Classic, They're not. That is. That's. I think the burnout people usually talk about time to time to do something else. And then there's the other burnout, which you know sometimes I find appears in the middle of a class. I'm working with a class, and at about 55 minutes into a class, all of a sudden it's. There's this feeling of like no motivation or something's not right or I'm not pleased with what's going on. And I feel I could be burned out on the subject. I could be burned out on the material. And I think that's a tricky part. It's like right. th- that kind of thing where it's fatigue, maybe. Okay. And distinguishing, that, okay, what's a, you know, a bad day or a bad class? Or a bad or moment. Or fatigue or a bad semester. or And when does that start to become... 
a step toward that bigger capital B burnout that we we that you know that we that you mentioned before. That's the one you mean where people need to move on. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and then <laughs> are there is it, are there other types? That's a wrap. <laughs> I'm thinking it's a good thing that you mentioned the difference between fatigue and burnout. I think yeah. burnout is just long-term repeated constant and consistent fatigue with teaching. That's kind of what I think about it. And you tell, is it that there, there's that temporal aspect to it. it is it's just been going on too long. Yeah. You, there's no joy. It's And it's flat. In other words... So they, those, those incidents come more frequently and they last longer. Maybe the periods last longer. And the rewarding, joyful parts of teaching are not coming frequently enough. Yeah, all that, all that has evaporated. <laughs> yes. And you see it. You see it. You know? Well, you feel it. Right? Uh, I don't. Right. I mean, there have been periods where um, things have not been going well. Um, and the other one of the things I think that we'll talk about later on is that a lot of times what appears to be um, burnout in the profession or the job uh, can very often be um, a result of factors outside the classroom mm. and outside the job, uh, other things that are going on in your personal life that also impact um, how you perceive your workday and job, et cetera, et cetera. And so, the things you do, I think you pointed this out when we were talking before, just even how going from your house to work, how you set your commute up, can oh, yeah, have an incredible yeah. impact on how you feel. And sometimes don't even realize that that's really causing a that's a stressor yes. yeah all, we're all the identifying all the new sources of stress and all the stressors and things and what's affecting you because you know different people handle different things differently some people can just take this type of uh, this you know set of things in stride same things push another person right over the edge okay and you know who you are and how you're feeling and how you come to it and stuff can be quite difficult to deal with okay so let's Start somewhere. <laughs> so let's start somewhere. Yes. I like that. Let's start somewhere. What do you want to start? I don't know. Find a dime. Toss a dime out. Okay, I'm going to be dealing with mm. that for a while. Let's start off with what are the factors that lead to burnout. What do you think they are? Okay. A, um, just trying to save myself here from having to say anything. No, that's good. That's good. It's no, it's a difficult I, I did, question. I, I did. It was a very difficult homework, and I and I did a little bit of homework. So I have other people's ideas <laughs> that I can throw out here, and we can attack them or espouse them or whatever. Um, some of the things that I found is fat is causes uh, for teacher burnout, um, and you can all you can all start nodding your heads as I go through the list. You mean like one of those things, those little dolls in the back of the cars we used to have in America? Yeah, the bobbleheads. The bobbleheads, yeah. right? Just <laughs> just always nodding up and down. I, I I see you all out there bobbling your heads. You're about to begin bobbling your heads, but one of them is being underappreciated for the work and hours you put in the classroom bobbling <laughs> confused confused about expectations and priorities of your ever-changing job heads nodding bobbling concerned about job security with education budgets being slashed okay people are bobbling it but you know that Overcommitted with the ever-changing responsibilities of a teacher. People's heads are nodding. <laughs> Resentful about duties that are not properly compensated. Massive major amounts of head nodding. Another list. This is another list from another side. Now I'll, I'll list all these in, in the on, on the web page. Uh, teaching pupils who lack motivation. 
Now you get chuckly. You get chuckly because maintaining your head, your head can't your head can't bobble enough to that one, right? Maintaining discipline. That's not such a bad uh, one. Okay. Not for us. Yes, we're not lucky. We're lucky yeah. that way. Yeah, very lucky. Time pressures and workload. Head nodding. <laughs> Duh. 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 I mean, but who doesn't have that? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, right? that's like coping with that's true. Coping for with any change. Job. Deal with it. Right. It's like okay, fine. Wherever you go, it, change is going to happen. Time pressure. No one has enough time to do what they're going to do. Everyone has got too much work. We know this. Being evaluated by others. Well, you got to be evaluated by others. Dealing with colleagues. Well, yeah. Well, they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and this is you. This is you. You're quoting other people. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I wouldn't say such a thing. No, no, you would never say anything like that. I've never ever heard that kind of cynicism coming out of your mouth. Self-esteem and status. What is it? Obviously, I'm not. I don't have this. What's self-esteem? High regard here. Yeah, exactly. Administration and management. Oh, never. (laughs) <laughs> role conflict, and, role conflict and ambiguity, poor working conditions. Well, obviously, this list is not worth much. Uh, um, but geez, that's great. Um, but yeah, I think um, uh, if, if you want if, my contribution to these lists of causes and things, I think a lot of it it can be um, obviously it's a it's a workload management problem. Uh, it's also a a problem of how one approaches one's work or one's job and what it means in terms of yourself like what you see yourself as what you have to do or what the job is and and the other thing and, and, and very closely tied to that if, if not maybe the same thing expectations self and what what expectations are you bring are they realistic i mean are you are you really you know, not everybody's going to be super teacher. And if you expect all of your classes to be these perfect arcs of learning from beginning, from the time, from one bell to the other bell, with all the students leave, leaving the classroom glowing with a new experience and knowledge. And if you're setting that up as a goal for yourself, you're setting yourself up to fail. And if you're trying to accomplish that every week with the, you know, our class, my classes. Uh, most of us in Japan meet once a week. You're setting that kind of goal up for yourself. Um, you're kind of setting yourself up for consistent failure and burnout because the human mind psyche can only take <laughs> so, so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're setting you're going to fail if that's your goal. You're going to fail because you, you can't do that. There's too many other factors. There's too many. And the other things like when I'm talking about at the very end is like yeah, understand. What you got control over, what you don't have control over, but geez, if you you know set yourself up that way, then you're gonna get burnt out because you can't do it all, and you can't bat a hundred percent. You're gonna, you've got to allow from the very onset. It's like, yeah, I'm not gonna hit the ball. Well, basically, <laughs> even if home you're run, an right? incredible hitter, you're not gonna hit very much above. Thirty-three percent of the time, exactly. And yeah, if you're, that, that if makes you're an you a NBA star, player, right? right? What is like fifty-five percent from the field mm. is considered an excellent shooting percentage, isn't it? Right. Yeah. In other words, it's not free throw th- shooting. It's not just right. sitting there yeah, with it, nobody yeah. in your face. And the thing is, I think it's a good example. Is teaching is kind of like shooting a basketball with people waving their hands in your face. 
There's yeah, all these yeah, things, good you know, that then you, when you're planning out your lesson, that's like a free throw <laughs> shot. It's really easy. There's no problems. There's no, everything goes smoothly. Wow, my lesson plan was perfect. Why did the class not go right? <laughs> Why did it bomb? <laughs> what happened here? What? By the way, talk about those bobbing heads, right? The bobbles. Mm. I just realized, you know, they never, they never, um, bobbled their heads negatively right side to side they never said no they were always just bobbing up and down i think that's kind of a funny thing but yeah i think you made a really good point tony about people's goals and expectations are they realistic and that's the first thing a lot of people go into teaching i think i did it you probably did it too with i'm going to change the world i'm going to make lives better and you go in and you then confront all the million things that can get in the way of achieving that. <laughs> so those, those expectations are really good. What would you say if you were talking to somebody, not a beginning teacher, but let's say somebody who's at about the five-year point, which I think is where a lot of people leave the field. That's, I think, where, I don't know what the exact number is, but I think it's at about four or five years where people... St- like leave the field or, and those people who are in for five years and then continue tend to stay for long, a longer period of time. What would be some advice you'd give them on burnout? Or what do you think would be causing those people's burnout at that point? Let's say five well, years. Because a five-year, a teacher with burnout at five years, I think is feeling very different things from somebody at 15 or 20. Sure, sure. And um, I maybe, yeah, I don't know. I think... Uh, identifying the burnout is a important part of that and really trying to identify whether it's yeah again we talked at the very beginning was it is it just fatigue do you need a vacation or do you need a life change um and how do you distinguish between and this would this would be the, the advice of it, well let's take a look um what are your symptoms i mean what what is it, what is it that's happening um you um let's say so let's let's look for the symptoms then like we'll go into like the the frequency and, and the um the uh length of the, of the temporality of it um the loss of the spark i guess is the first thing where yeah you walk into classrooms and yeah you're just like yeah i'm going to change the world to, to a greater or lesser degree or yeah, this is going to be a great class, or I, I know what I'm going to do today, and this is going to be good. I'm really, you know, looking forward to this. I'm ready, and et cetera, et cetera. And you see the kids' faces, and do you do you see a bunch of faces that are, like, ready? Or do you see the enemy? And they most might be the same faces, but how do you – what's your perception? Mm-hmm. When you walk into the classroom, do you perceive – this group of students as uh, allies or as enemies? Um, are they your buds? Um, are they on your side? Are they are they the enemy? Um, how often does that happen? Um, how much do you internalize that? Um, how do you feel in the morning when you get up? Do you feel like you dread going into work and facing the class. And you can have a bad class. And we've talked about that too. It's like, yeah, I've had classes that I've dread, dreaded facing, but I have 17, 18 classes a week. Um, okay, and you're batting how, a third. Of, you're batting out, out, out of that 17. How many do you dread facing? Right. Um, you know, your, your own feeling, you know, that, that that's the internal, that's, that's inside the teacher, regardless of the reality, whether it's a good class or a bad class, your feeling 
Okay. Can I th- let me toss something sure. in there too? I was just thinking about what you were talking about, and that also I think that another thing that has should be looked at is when you interpret that. You know, am I going into a class that is with me, or am I going into a class that I'm fighting against? When you're really burned out, and this might be, this is maybe a good way to measure it, is that two troublesome students out of twenty can totally twist your assessment of a class. Oh, I'll I'll go with one. Okay, we did, we did this a couple of, we did a couple of months ago. Like, how many bad apples does it take? Because I I've got a class now. I, I'm I am not burnt out. I don't think. No, I don't think I would. I would say that's reasonably true, Tony, <laughs> that you are not a burned-out teacher. And, uh, but at the same time, I do have one class, um, and it has one student that is really having a deleterious effect on the class, and I don't look forward to that class. But what, <laughs> what I mean, mean, Tony, is that when you're not burned out, you can realize that it's one student. Exactly. But when you're burned out, you just lose that ability to discern exactly what's happening, and it becomes the class. That's what yeah, I meant. The, bur- that... the, the, the burnout plays with all kinds of perceptions. Yes, yes, exactly yes. And like that. I, exactly like that. And when that. I've gone through burnout, that's exactly what happens. And it's not until like a year later I realize, wait a second, there was just one really difficult kid who was really making me insane. But I couldn't see that at that point because I was just so tired of that class or during that time. Of teaching, so okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And and the thing is, with just to keep going with that for for a second, say burnout means that that the the self corrective system is broken. Good something point. Is bro- it's, something is broken, and it's just like in and maybe it is in, in, in way, like depression. You can't someone who's clinically depressed you say, "Oh, get over it." It's like. No, that doesn't I'm work. Sorry, you obviously it, it have no idea. Not, you have no not, idea what the person what, what is the going hell? through. So, come on, hey, buck up, pal. <laughs> it's, it ain't so bad. Look at the bright side. Look yeah. at the sunny side of the street. But it's like, but we like to no, put a plug in. it's broken. It's, it, that's not going to. And, and that's exactly the thing. It's the thing when you are when you're this teacher burnout thing. It's like all these things that we can look from the outside and say, oh, try this, try this. It's like, well, no, I think if it were these people. They, People are not stupid. As much as yeah, as, but when you're burned out, what I might, when you're burned the way out, I might talk about are. them, yeah. but 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 they're not, and they will fix things if the solution is within their grasp. A lot of times, it's not. The solution is not within their uh, grasp, and there's the whatever is broken, and they get in, people get into a rut, and once you're in that state, it's almost too late. So what you have to look is to catch it early, and act fast. And that's that. That's the point where, like, we we, we kind of got off on this small tangent. But yeah, how do you identify what distinguish between like a bad day or a couple of bad days or continuous bad the, the days? Begin, <laughs> the beginning of a spiral, downward spiral that's going to lead to burnout. And I think that's really hard. Mm. Well, you can't really see it until you've gotten there. I think that's part of the problem. That's really, yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, I think you're, I think because, you're right. Because, you know, you, you go through it, right? You, okay. I think every teacher I've known has had a, I guess I would call it the season of burnout. There's a certain part in your career, I think, where the joy just kind of maybe is evaporated. And you're struggling that year. And you're trying to decide, am I going to keep teaching? Am I not? I don't know. Did you go through something like that? I don't. 
I guess I'm really lucky. I don't think so. But most of the I've people gotten, you know, went I've gotten really like close. That, right? I've gotten really close, and I've had good times, and I've had bad times, um, and I've had short periods where I was telling myself that, yeah, you're you're burnt out, you're burnt out, you're burnt out, but it didn't last very long. Okay. I think you know the period when I got burned out. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I'm, I'm an example. And that's, wait, and that's, that's, no, that's another really good point, because what we're, we're talking is like, most of the time we talk about teacher burnout, we talk about classroom shit, right? Yes. But there's really a big part about administrative burnout. Well, you talked about that at the beginning. And when yeah. you remember when I just, that admitted that the, the problems with administration burned me out to my core. Yeah, and if you're you're a part-time teacher and you don't have any admin experience, you really don't understand what a stressful, uh, demanding situation that can be. It, you know, you you always see the good stuff, right? You see, oh, they only teach X number of classes per week. Oh, they get bonuses. Oh, they get a salary. It's like you see all the good stuff. Um, you peek behind the curtains, and and that is not a, a tea party. It is. Uh, a real big ball of stress. Unless you're really working is. at a school that has a real commitment to education and has a real commitment to effective and efficient systems. And yeah, I think you can find like that. one of those present in maybe one school. But anyway, mm. so, but you're right. So I, I, what I was going to say, though, Tony, is that most of the people I know go through a season of burnout where they really mm. question whether they want to be teaching, whether they want to continue teaching. And it would be interesting to hear from people whether or not that's really true. Mm. But for me, there was just, there was the year where it was really a question of, do I even want to continue in this field? Mm. And it really made me question things. And I found out, yes, I do want to continue in this field. Mm. And I came back better, more aware. I think um, that I was able to kind of do what you just said was look at my expectations and start balancing that, being more realistic because Obviously, I had gone into the administration, the administrative situation with my eyes on a real, you know, distant, high in the sky prize. And I kind of had reality imposed upon me, although I think we were getting close little by little, step by step. So burnout's an interesting thing. It can be done from administration. It can come from students. But I think what you're saying, Tony, is that you think it's kind of a perspective issue, right? Maintaining, like you know kind of like a grid where are you on the grid how are you doing and you think that maybe burnout is due to people like missing losing sight of the target or their goal and then perceptions kind of get skewed or do you really I, think it's something like is it you know because th there are people who obviously shouldn't be teaching mm -hmm. you know it's like people who need to get out of the field because they don't like kids they don't like being in the classroom but i don't think that's what we're really talking about here we're talking about no because yeah if you're if you're if you're in the job and you don't belong there obviously you're not listening to this podcast <laughs> you're right now you don't listen to the podcast and there's enough things coming up that are gonna you're failing so often i mean so many you you, you are creating basic you are creating so many problems um that it's going to be a self-correcting but often not soon enough it's a self-correction right it's like you're going to be so miserable that you're going to do something else because you're not going to be achieving success. Um, you're going to be failing, failing at so many fronts, right? Like either with your peers and with your students and with admin. Eventually, that's going to catch up. And yeah, and you're going to burn out. You can call it that. But yeah, yeah it's, you've found out that this wasn't for you one way or the other. Um, 
but I don't I wouldn't say that it's all perception, but because there's because there's all these there's all these other very real factors, right? Uh, which I talked about like in the I talked about two lists that I, I saw online, but the first one I, a little bit more um, uh, value in in terms of like, yeah, you're going to have insane workloads. You're going to have classes that are too big or too troublesome or too something. Um, you are going to be underpaid and unappreciated. These are realities, regardless of what you think. This is the this is the this is the job. It's part of the job description. It's it's the job, and what you need, what the teacher needs to do, is like find a way. Each person needs to f figure out how to deal with those things, so that it works for him or for her, um, and it is, and that takes energy and it takes a certain amount of wisdom it takes help of peers um you know i don't you know don't discount that i'm gonna i'm gonna get to that because that that really can be very valuable you need somebody to somebody else out there like don't again perception right don't just rely on yourself you need a third party this <laughs> like hey listen am i nuts or 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 is this situation insane um all of those types of things and that, that those stressors are always going to be there and how you for yourself find a way to manage all those different stresses without it tapping into and, and exhausting your energy supply is the key because that it takes a whole lot out of you. I mean, even ideally, right? If you're uh, just the, the, the teaching action itself, the activity of teaching exhausts you. And when you've got, see our summer uh, things like failure by design, when you're struggling against all these barriers between you and this goal that you've set for yourself, um, you're going to be really lucky if you have sufficient energy and gumption to continue in the face of all those difficulties. Um, and, you know, again, over time, if that becomes too big of a struggle too many too frequently and for too long of a time your the result is burnout fair enough hmm. so what do you do so what do you do if you find yourself at that point tony i think you i think you have to start whether you're whether you're afraid of burnout or you feel like you're burning or not i think um just as a teacher um, very early on, you need to somehow um, establish for yourself a, a self-awareness and self-monitoring, you know, like a, like a third eye or something to kind of watching yourself. It's like, okay, this is what's happening and this is how I'm reacting to it. Is that a rational? Is that a good reaction? Is that effective? Is that going to get me to uh, the goal or the end the result that i'm looking for um if not maybe i need to learn how to deal with this reality in a different way so that my reaction is more likely to bring me to a more positive end um if you do that habitually you can uh identify whether it's just a bad day or it's a bad period or it's like i've got a problem you know, if you've got into that habit of self-monitoring and kind of like looking, really, you know, introspection, it's like, okay, this is what's happening. And again, trying to, and no, I have no magic formula for this. Um, 
separating the reality, the situation that you're dealing with, and your reaction to it, how you react to it. Um, if you can handle that, pretty much you got the problem solved. But that's really hard to do. I don't have a shortcut for that. Uh, but I think it's really important. And I think in this case, as you know, as you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, pretty much a a cowboy and a and a, a loner in a lot of ways. But I think with this type of thing, I, this is where I think peer support can be extremely beneficial. Um, you know, war stories. You hear what other people are dealing with, how they cope with it, and you realize, oh Jesus, I'm not so screwed up after all. But but not only like to just to share stories that other um, of other people, but uh, also to get their perspective on things. And it, it can be extremely helpful uh, for other people's perspective, right? Because you're in the middle of it. You're in your classroom and you're, you've got your students and you're so close, you, know, you can't see the forest for the trees. And someone else can say, oh, well, maybe maybe this is the thing. It's like, er, oh, maybe. I mean, very often someone from the outside can see something that really is not apparent because you're so closely involved with it. Um, that's really helpful. And if you've, yeah, if you've got somebody, a colleague, a friend, um, whose judgment you trust, whose who's teaching you respect, um, they can be an invaluable resource. They can be really helpful for this kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's very, very true. But let's play with it a little bit. And so let's reverse it. So you're sitting in the teacher room, which maybe you don't do too often, <laughs> being the cowboy that you are. And there's the burned out teacher. What do you say to that person? And everyone, I think, has talked to the burned out teacher in the teacher's room. There's usually one person, I think, who's a little bit burned out. Mm. And so let's say somebody is just going on and you know they're burned out. What would you say to them? How would you approach them to try to maybe help them deal with it? What would be like some openings or opening gambits you would use? Well, I'm probably the, one of the worst people to ask that question. <laughs> yes, with your cynicism. <laughs> hey, Tony, I'm feeling really bad. Well, just deal with it. <laughs> you're but, one of those but, people. <laughs> but, but actually what I would do, and I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to come up with a better answer than I'm going to give. Oh, thanks, Tony. Um, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I would do in, 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 a, in a very roundabout, indirect way is to... Uh, make some kind of joke or humorous aside that might crack the door in the direction of perspective. Because usually the thing with burnout is like people get so focused on the what they perceive as this big black cloud in the classroom and, you know, there's a whole island planet universe etc out there and you know <laughs> the rest of that universe is not spinning around this classroom there's other stuff out there so don't yeah i mean yeah our job is important students lives are important we, we get that but it's not the end of the world if you have a bad class or if you have a bad semester perspective yeah. That's what I would do. Right. I mean, yeah, I think my opening would be, how long have you been feeling this way? 
Okay. Because that's really important. Uh, it's just today. Oh, okay. Then <laughs> you know, let's not worry about it. Uh, it's been a it's been a year. I've been feeling this way for a year. Because then you have to approach it in a very very different way. And I think I want to go back to what you were talking about with depression, which is you just can't tell somebody to get over it. You have, right, exactly. Which is what most people do. You know, it's like, yeah, right, burned exactly. Out, you know, I mean, I remember they, pers- where I just, they don't understand the severity. I right. was like, I just can't get motivated about teaching this group. They're, you know, good group, uh, you know, just whatever. It's like, well, then just do it, okay? You know, that just do it, the kind of the Nike thing. And um, I think that you have to just listen and a lot of it is i think what you were saying before it's getting a grip it's getting a perspective but also it's just having being able to talk about it without being judged because i think a just lot of being a, being a listener is a big thing right, yeah because sure, very helpful one of the things that that's when i've talked to people who felt burned out is they feel like oh you know i'm with this really enthusiastic group of teachers and if i mention that i'm burned out uh, nobody's going to really understand and they're going to judge me. And you want to say, no, actually, most people probably have a good idea or a reasonable understanding of what you're going through. Sure. Right? But I think that there's some people who may have not experienced it or who are new to the field, you know, they're really excited and they don't understand what it's like for somebody who's been 20 years and let's say a really good teacher, but who's been struggling against like some administrative, um, what do I want to call it? Um, regime changes landmines you know um that you you have to listen be open give people a chance because again there's something in the helping professions where there's this kind of this dichotomy of we're supposed to be positive but a lot of people really are burned out because it's such a difficult field it's like social work you're you're dealing and helping people with such severe problems it's really hard not to have that eat away at you and, oh, yeah. you know, there are teachers who are working in very challenging environments. And there are universities that are very challenging that could, you know, the way the students are, they've never had positive learning experiences. No matter what you're doing in your classroom does not seem to be providing them with any increased motivation or providing them with any joy of teaching. That That's going to eat away at you. And you have to, I think you said this pretty well, Tony. It's like also you have to realize what's you and what's outside of you. What is what are you responsible for? What can you affect and what can you not affect? But yeah, it's an the burnout thing is again, I think you have to figure out is it really burnout or is it just a little bit of fatigue? Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. real important thing. And okay, would you say that there are different kinds of people who are more or less susceptible to burnout? I uh, I guess I guess so. I mean, and, and, and something and it ties directly with something that you said that I wanted to amplify. Um, you talked about teaching and about social work, and um, and I guess you know you want to talk about like, like for example, you know, they're not getting a lot of sympathy these days, but like police officers, um, law enforcement type things. But where jobs <clears throat> jobs where uh, one had like teaching has such a requires demands such a huge personal investment um you really put yourself you have no choice but to put yourself into the job and then to directly answer your question about are there certain types of people who are more susceptible to burnout it's like well yeah i can it's it's kind of those people who very closely identify with the job or their role as a teacher and who do 
make that personal investment because if you're not making a personal investment, you're probably, you're, you're probably not that effective a teacher and you're probably not going to burn out that much, I guess, I think. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, maybe they're just as likely to burn out and get bored and hate the job and the world, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. I'm not sure. So I don't know if I know the answer to that question, but I knew, do know that um, the the, te- the job of teaching, as, as I see it, as I, as I understand it, it's like, yeah, it does require a huge uh, personal investment. You really put, your, you put yourself out there every class you teach, like it, like an actor or like a stand-up comedian, and you, um, are yeah, await and, and you put it out there and you await judgment. Is it gonna is it gonna work? Is it gonna not work? So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one, and I'm beginning to wonder whether or not it's kind of an attrition issue. Is that? After a while, the people who have stayed in are less susceptible to burnout, right? And mm. the people who have left have already burned out. Because we yeah. do know people who teach four or five years and then leave. Although <clears> since, I don't know if this is true anymore, because I think of where I teach and the universities I'm teaching at, we don't get a lot of people who are over for, you know, have just been in Japan for two or three years. Or have just come over and started yeah, teaching. Yeah. I mean, everybody I know at this point has been a teacher. Well, the field has changed so much, right? I mean, the, the economic situation and the... Yeah, everybody's an old-timer. Yeah, that's what I feel at this point. Yeah. I'm, but I'm wondering, is that just because of my situation and the environment and what, that where, I'm in? Where we teach and our environments and things. And, but a question that came up as you, were, as you, as you posed this, this situation, I think, to kind of a Darwinian thing... Um, with the teachers that we do lose to burnout, are we losing the the good ones or the bad ones, or is it not related? Yes, yeah, so I mean, it's a good it, question. Because you know, the, the people with susceptible. You asked me the you know, susceptible burnout. It's like, well, the people who are making the biggest personal investment, the ones are most likely to burn out, and then the ones are most likely to leave the profession. It's like, that's not what we want. <laughs> that's not gonna. That's not good. Right. I think it was when I started teaching back in about 1986, I think Ed Meese was the attorney general for Ronald Reagan's administration. And Ed Meese wanted to, I remember they wanted to drug test all incoming, new, new incoming teachers. And I remember my attitude was, <laughs> you don't need to drug test the people who are coming in. You need to drug test the people who have been like really treated badly for the last 20 years or 25 years. In other words, I think that there was this assumption of, you know, people who have been working for a while are reasonably safe and we don't look at what those pressures are for the long-term people the people who have been really investing a lot for years and years and years and not getting a lot back not getting a lot of support and you know we know those kinds of people and they seem to exhibit this incredible amount of strength and ability but i don't know i think maybe we do lose in the beginning we lose a lot of good people because we don't provide enough support for them or they have experiences that are less than positive. Um, and we talk often about this, don't we, Tony, that we feel fortunate that we're teaching at pretty good schools. Oh, I right. That makes a big day. difference. <laughs> oh, man, it makes a huge difference. Right. And I'm so lucky. I am so lucky. Right. And then the people we know, 
because have gotten to a similar point because we've been here for a while. And part of it is just it's a function of time and how long you've been here. Mm-hmm. And that the longer you stay, it seems gives you, at least in my experience, a better chance to get to some pretty good schools. And I have to say that overall, I'm pretty lucky um, that I teach at places with good students. And there's variation, of course, within the school, and some of the classes are great, and some of them are less than great. But part of it is that I, I feel it's hard for me to talk about the topic now because I don't deal with very many burned out people. I think most of the people I'm dealing with are people who are have dealt with it or uh, have relatively positive experiences with teaching and are able to maintain that. And again, it's, it's a Darwinian natural selection thing, mm. right? After mm. a while, people who just can't do that are going to leave the profession or they're not going to you know, select or be selected into certain kinds of environments. Yeah. 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 I'm lucky in terms of like uh, pretty much everything is like, well, you know, the, the men's of the schools are not, not, you know, with, you know, well, I don't know. There's some, some variation. Some, yeah, yeah. We, we, we know about that one. Yeah. Okay. So there's some, but they're not, they're not overall, they're not terrible. Um, students I've got are great. And as you just said, the, the other teachers, uh, the colleagues that I have at, at uh, the schools where I teach are pretty, they're solid. They're, they're, they're good folk. Um, hey, guys, if you're listening, <laughs> it's, it's never too late for a late Christmas present. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But <laughs> let's, give, let's give our audience for some of those people late Christmas presents. Because one of the things we were talking about before are the things you can do that you have direct control over, which can radically affect the quality of your life and reduce let's say, the intensity of burnout. Cool. Right? And we, I think one of yep. the things, Tony, that you mentioned right away was handling the commute. Yeah, okay. Which yeah, I we, think we, we, is, actually, is something we, we talk about when we talk about quality of lives and how the commutes can stress us. But as a thing that really adds into burnout and has a negative impact on teaching, I think the commute has, you have to, you have to control your commute as much as possible, right? Which so, is a which but, is a huge thing in Japan. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to let you run with that now. Oh, and uh, yeah, and in fact, in the last year, there have been a couple of studies. I don't remember where on the web somewhere. Um, that was like one of the the biggest factors in terms of people's overall ha- happiness. Happiness factor was um, their their commute, the length of their commute. Um, of course, in Japan, you know, our commutes are generally much longer than they would be almost anywhere in the in where, where we come from. Um, well, I don't and, know. I'm um, from Los Angeles, so I think to go five miles on the freeway now takes like an hour. <laughs> so because yeah, of well, traffic but an hour, but an hour in Japan is a, is a is a short commute. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That would, so, that would that would be almost close to the average commute, wouldn't it? An hour. Yeah, I think I think an hour here is about. It's an considered average, a so. nice commute, right? Yeah. So, and most yeah, people, I, by the I, way, are commuting by train. Ninety, mm, would you say ninety, ninety-five percent of people? Ninety percent, I would say ninety okay. percent by train. And uh, yeah, and commutes of like two hours are, are not unusual. Mm-hmm. They're not the norm, but they're not unusual. Um, and rush hour, extremely stressful. Packed trains, you know, you can be standing for an hour on a train with literally um, people just jammed up against you. Jammed, yeah, yeah. It can be extremely stressful. So. Um, yeah, for me, um, I do. I kind of take umbrage at the the term of morning person. With the implication that it's something that's easy, um, it's not easy. But I do make the choice um, to get up very early each day. 
Um, I leave my house very early. About what time? Just so you can be concrete um, here. 6.30. That's pretty early. It's pretty early. So it ranges from 6.20 to 6.50, depending on which school I'm going to. Um, and then the commutes can be two hours. Uh, but uh, the, the payoff is that the, the trains are not that crowded. I can actually sit down. I have um, my uh, music on my iPhone. I have really good headphones. And uh, that takes all kinds of stress out of my day-to-day -day life. Um, for other people, yeah, maybe getting up that hour earlier or two hours earlier, um, maybe that's a bigger stressor than the crowded trains. Mm, not for mm. me. No, Di I'm, I'm with you. Different, st different strokes, different folks, right? For me, the crowded train is something that I know for, yeah. just for some, makes me nuts. Yeah, yeah, for me too, me too. But for other people, that other that you know, five more minutes in bed, that's more important. It's like, well, not me. Not me. Not me. No, no, no. Not me. Not yeah, me. This, so yes. anyway, so all different kind of things. So, you know, a, what you, you know, back is like, take a step back. Take a good look at your day, at your time. What are the sources of stress in that day? And what can you tweak to maybe make it whatever is bothering you a little bit better? It's like, you know, is there a way that you can sleep 15 minutes more? Or maybe... If you get up 10 minutes earlier or 15 minutes earlier, that alleviates problems A, B, and C, um, you know, case by, case by case, as they say. But the thing is to take a look at it, see where the stress is coming from, and then figure out if there's something you can do about it, then do it. And maybe understand that there's nothing you can do about it. Well, then maybe you need to like maybe tweak how you think about it or how you perceive it or how you react to it somehow to make it less harmful. Hmm. Well, I want to go back to something you said, Tony, about that morning commute, um, because I think that's something that is easy to overlook, is the commuting. You think it's just something you have to do, and you, there's no way to get out of it. And you said, you mentioned, and this, of course, goes to you and I, you know, kind of both love of audio stuff. You have some good headphones. And one thing I found out is that the earphones that I have that really plug, you know, that I you know, put into my ears that really isolate, isolate out the sound, the sound yep. Yep. makes an incredible difference in the quality oh, of transform my commute. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, you right. know, like ten years ago, when when the the, the first iPods, like oh, God. it was like, and yet good headphones that that just like this was it was it was heaven, right? Because it's so noisy and all that background noise. Whether you're conscious of it or not, yes, is exactly, extremely stress inducing. Yes, 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 because that's what happened. Is I. Um, I have my, and I'm not going to go into details, but you and I know because we talk about this all the time, is I have my really excellent ice, noise isolating earphones. And I kind of exchanged them for one time on one of my trips to more open, less isolating ones. And I was shocked at how noisy the train ride was. I had gotten to the point where I thought, train rides are really quiet. They're nice. Mm. And so cutting things out like the constant bombardment of noise, being constantly bombarded by people bumping up against you on a crowded train. Do you, yeah, like I like that. that it crowds. seems like it's not so related. It, it's seeming unrelated, but it's so part of the well, equation. I'm beginning to wonder now because I'm thinking that since I've had the really good headphones, I think my attitude towards teaching has been more positive. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if correlation it. is ca causation, but I'm I don't know. I don't doubt it. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, and also talking about you arrive in a completely different different frame of mind. Well, yeah, here's a great example, too, is that um, I go from Osaka to Yokohama every Monday morning. And 
If I for people for people who don't know, that's like what a four hour door to door. It's from my house to my office. It's a four hour commute. There you go. Okay. So it's a good commute. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, if uh, this is just details, but if you order your ticket and certain times, like six fifty in the morning, and you order it three days before, you get a discount. You save like a thousand yen off the regular price ticket. But you can also get a green card, which is kind of like a business class seat, for just a thousand yen more than the regular price of a ticket. So if I spend an extra two thousand yen more, which is twenty dollars, I can get a business class seat on the Shinkansen, the bullet train, and. That just makes all the difference in the world in how I walk into a classroom on Monday morning. Sure. Something just as simple as that. I've discovered I'm more relaxed. I'm more patient, I'm more willing to deal with the nonsense that sometimes my Monday morning classes will toss at me. Absolutely. absolutely. It's, it was amazing to see that, well, you know, not just for my personal um, well-being or comfort, that that extra... $20 actually with the exchange rate now I think it's like you know probably uh, it's $16 or something it's a no brainer because it benefits my performance in the classroom because I'm one of those people who I'm sensitive to crowds I'm sensitive to people you know bumping me in a seat next to me for example right so I think you when you talked about what do you know about yourself what can you do what can you control and as you said is it 15 minutes more sleep, more important for you. And does that make you more relaxed and more capable, more comfortable than waking up early and getting on the train? You have to discover that. And for me, I know that, yeah, avoiding the crowded commute in the morning, big difference. Yeah, self-awareness. Right? Step one, step one. Um, watching, you know, making sure you have time where you're eating and you're not, you know, stuffing your face. And modifying your next class during lunchtime, you get time. Time management. Yes. Yes, very good one. Time management. Giving yourself breaks. Giving yourself breathing room. Step outside of the classroom. Um, right, because usually huge, huge, and, and that's that's a really big one right there. I mean, like in the classroom, right? Um, you get often you, you get into classroom and you maybe sense that things aren't going right. You maybe feel like you're not. Don't have as much control. The class is getting a little out of your grasp, and you start panicking and racing and trying to just like you know. You don't need to do that, you know. As you just said, step outside, step back, take a deep breath, put them on, give them a task, step outside the classroom, breathe. Mm. <laughs> Um, create breaks within the class time. There you go. You like that? Like yeah, that? It's hard. Like that, you know, for sure. We forget that it's. You do it for a while. You forget that standing in front of a room, walking around, watching people, being sensitive, looking for all kinds of indicators, observing behavior, it's tiring. So yeah. taking care of it. But what do we do again, Tony? What do you do if you feel like you're at the end of your rope? What, um, what, should, what would you do? Somebody comes to you and says, hey, Tony, I just, you know, I just am not enjoying this job anymore. I'm just tired of it. I'm just, what, you know, should I continue well, for another year? Um, well, I just, well, at that point, I just get them to talk about it. Because as they talk and explain, number one, they're going to feel the relief. But then two, is like you get information about exactly what the problem might be. Because you don't, is it, is it that, it, that this person shouldn't be a teacher? Does he, has he or she really gotten a bad you know, deck, you know, hand of cards. It's like you really got some bad classes here, man. I, I don't know how you do it because I couldn't teach those either. Maybe there's problems that are completely external to the teaching. Maybe 
he, he or she's going through a divorce. Maybe there's illness in the family. Maybe there's other stuff. It's like, who knows? You know, you got to get, you got to get the information, but listen, as you said before, um, being a listener, right? Really big. Good point, I think. Yeah. yeah. And again, you know, is has the person just not been able to teach in a good environment? Mm. You know, they got a bad hand. Right. They're in a bad situation. It's like, well, sure. It's, it's natural that you're going crazy. Anybody would. Right. You, you, it's like, <laughs> your reaction is completely normal. <laughs> right. yeah. And to use the game analogy, right, there's a real difference between folding and quitting the game. Uh-huh. Right? Sometimes you just, you know, say, no, I got to fold with this hand. Yep. And you fold. And then sometimes you're going to have to fold three, four, five times. You're just going to get dealt bad hands. That doesn't mean that you're unlucky at poker. Right. And again, the other thing, too, I think that we have to talk about is the, the reality of the regression to the mean, which is that things are just going to start moving towards an average the longer you mm -hmm. do something. Mm. And variation is going to become less and less common. And the highs and the incredible lows are going to decrease, I think, the longer you teach. Because you have more control, but just basically it's a statistical reality. So, yeah, you just want to listen to the person and see whether or not, is it just that they've got a bad hand, they've got a series of bad hands, or, you know, is it somebody who just, hey, you know, maybe this was not the, the field that's really best for you. Maybe that this is not the profession, but that's a whole different question. So, okay, so what? So watch what you're doing. Be self-aware. Talk to people. Change yeah, the so things yeah. that you can that will make your life better. Right? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. So anyway, yeah. Like I guess I stepping back, taking a look at what do we, you know, what do we say? It's like um, uh, self-assessment. You know, look what you do and, and be aware of what you can control, what you can't control. And what you can't control, learn how to somehow let go of that, mm. or, or or just change your situation. It's like, because yeah, you, there's a director of a program that you 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 know you're like, you're like oil and water you don't get along with. You, you got two choices: you either deal with it, or you or you go somewhere else. Yeah, and either way, you got to learn how to just not let that negative negativity impact your teaching or. Even more importantly, yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Don't overpersonalize things, yes, right? Yeah. Don't overpersonalize. It's most of it is, believe it or not, it's not about you. It's almost <laughs> never about you. You know, you got a you got a you got a, a bad student. It's that bad student. However you term that, you know, it's not about. It's, it's nothing to do with you. That's a kid. But it's also <laughs> the same thing for that great student. Yeah, it's not. They don't it's take credit for that either. But that's the big thing, Tony. <laughs> is that one of the things that's really helped me? Just kind of riffing on this, mm. is that first off, it's not about me. It's always about them, especially when mm -hmm. they're not learning. It's not me, but um, <laughs> it's really it's them. And the other thing, because this just came to mind, so my apologies for interrupting, mm. is that once I realized that I didn't have to be transformative, I just had to be effective. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't have to change lives. Well, we talk about like realistic expectations, right, right? Right. And then, but what happened is that change was possible because I realized, wait a second, it's about the learning. It's not about right. the teaching. It's not revolving all around me. It's exactly. revolving mainly around them. And then, therefore, I could clearly see what I can do in the classroom that 
has an impact and that that all that stuff what it does is it incredibly narrows down this amorphous almost overwhelming domain of what can i do what should i do next because once you make those adjustments you've you've restricted it so much that you can actually start to identify what you can do so i think your your points are really well taken yeah it's, that's it's a really good really point. Under, understand that you can't do it all realistic goals it's like exactly, narrow down it's like okay yeah exactly the, the, it, it's the learning it's not the teaching and it's not about you it's, be realistic right, it's not about you, yeah you're not in there for you and uh when you're feeling when you're starting to feel bad it's like step back don't just stewing it don't and don't spread the poison oh thank you <laughs> don't spread it don't fuck don't 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 infect your classes don't bring it into the teacher's room don't well that you know, sounds lash kind out of... don't like you know start altercations on the train platform with the natives it's like the point because because it, 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 it's it, easy to happen it, it, it can happen it's like people get so negative and so down that it just you know the the boil <laughs> explodes and the pus just flows everywhere and it just it's not good for anybody right and so what i think you're saying tony is rather than exploding go in and talk to somebody you trust there you go yeah very very important just, you know you're not because what you're saying is not talk about it you're just saying don't explode with it don't yeah. be, you know, don't explode. Relieve the pressure somehow, right? Right. Before and usually it pops. it's, and, and usually, right. A very good point is talk to somebody before you reach that point. And you're going to find out, I think, that most people who you talk to, if this is how you're feeling, if you're feeling burnt out, that most people will w- want to talk with you or will be right. willing to listen and will not be that judgmental because most people have some sense of it, have some connection with it. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's talking with somebody about the problem, not just, whining about it right not just well a that's a rule session, of life isn't it yeah well okay yeah. if you're gonna bitch just say i'm bitching and then bitch and then figure out how do i solve blow the off problem. steam right i'm blowing yeah, off steam yeah. because that way it allows me to be more objective when coming up with solutions to the problem but remember mm. basically too maybe this is something else that might help people is that basically our jobs as educators is a problem solving job yeah very well put right that's really what we're doing is again remember we talked about what's the next best move basically you're just problem solving trying to Mm -hmm. figure out how to Mm -hmm. solve problems and sometimes Mm -hmm. that problem is your attitude Mm -hmm. so again Mm -hmm. apply it the same Mm -hmm. way how to set a goal what's your target what are the objectives you know how do i get there what are the steps i need to take to get there how do i measure whether or not i'm moving towards that point how do i obtain feedback and part of the problem is that you're asking about feedback about yourself which we're usually blind to so that's where working with somebody, talking with somebody, and dealing with it, I think, is really helpful. Very, 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 very. And again, that outside perspective can right. really be helpful. And in all honesty, I think, I don't know what percent of doing the podcast is me talking with you on a regular basis. And using the podcast, in a sense, as a means of maintaining my motivation, talking, exploring, sharing with somebody who I think has somewhat similar values and attitudes and a certain degree of experience and being able to bounce ideas off. And a very good exa- yeah, example of some kind of activity that could by it very by just by itself stave off that kind of burnout. Right. Something new, something different, um, something that um, I just this week was talking with a very, very advanced student. Um, yes, we we say that with a very low tone of voice. <laughs> oh, because 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 I know most because when I say I'm going to do this, people say, "Huh? How can you? You know? No, because I'm really lucky and I have some really incredible students." 
and was encouraging him because he was you know, he's fluent. But I says what he needed to do is to get outside of his comfort zone. Um, his English is excellent, but it's extremely formal. And he's and he's and he aware of that. And he says, I, I think I speak the way that I write. And I go, yeah, you do. And like we, a lot of times we compliment people because they speak in paragraphs because they're really good speakers. But in your case, you need to like loosen up a little bit and not pre-think everything and just kind of roll with it. A little more jazz and a little, a little less Chopin. Um, but the same kind of thing can be said like for teachers counterintuitively. Um when you feel like you're stagnating and the joy is gone from your teaching. And again, this is one of those things, Hey, perk up, bud. Um, but counterintuitively, the thing that you do is like, well then, you know, shake it up, mm, good get point. outside, get outside your comfort zone, you know, put on the heavyweights, you know, you know add, add another couple of, you know, t- add another 10 kilograms on that, on that, on that barbell. Get outside your comfort zone. Change a textbook. Do something that you you don't ever do. It's like, well, like, oh, I have a role play. I don't ever do role plays. Well, do role plays. Do something different. Mm. Um, Give a grammar that, test. <laughs> something that something that makes you uncomfortable. Something that you don't know mm. how to do. Something that you're going to have to learn something. Something that you're going to have to like. That's going to give you a challenge. You know, that's uh, a again, great point, it's the hardest. Tony. It's the hardest time to do it. But it's probably the best time to do it. It's a great point because one of the ways to definitely eliminate the feeling of burnout is to learn something new. New challenge. But then you learn something. You feel like you've done something. And you went, whoa, I just learned something. I just did something new. Great point. But as you say, very hard to do when you're in that state. Right. Right. And you talk about the podcast. I think that's something that we did. And for us, it was... You know, you know <laughs> this was not a trivial undertaking. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. It's and, a good way uh, to put it. It's not a trivial <laughs> It might sound trivial to the listeners, it might, but it's for like, us, oh, it's yeah, not. It's just, it's just, it was a big thing. This was not an easy thing. Um, and as you said, I think it is, I mean, as fun as it was to do or is to do on its own, um, I think it also adds, adds, added another dimension to the teaching and... I would like to think that it's made us better teachers, but it certainly made the teaching more enjoyable. And um, more, I think I'm more, much more aware of what I do as a teacher because of it. Uh, and a real good example of those kind of things. So, you know, whatever it is for you, write a paper, um, start a research project, um, do role plays when you usually don't. I don't know. I mean, shake it up, shake it up, do something different. Um, and I guess... Maybe to wind up, and the last one is like, you know, uh, we all know people who have been here too long. <laughs> they have a big sign on their back, right? Um, remember that you do have choices. Mm. Um, no one's holding a gun to your head saying that you've got to be a teacher. If you really hate it, fess up, <laughs> accept it, and find something that's going to make you happier do something else because it's not for everybody um yeah it's really hard work and the rewards are ephemeral very very real but they're um they're not monetary and you're not going to get famous and you're not going to get rich but the 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 rewards are certain there but that's not for everybody right and people get different kinds of rewards for different things and feel different things and yeah 
teaching isn't for everybody. And if you're not a teacher, then find out what you are and, and, and go for it. Right. Do what you want. You don't you don't mean you're not chained to this. Right. You got choices. Very true. And I think that's actually a pretty good place to stop. You've and got, there we are. You've yeah. got choices. OK, so I think we've talked about burnout and I don't feel burned out on burnout. That's no, it's not the end of the year. It's the beginning of a new year. No, it's so enthusiastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're just getting into I, it. We can start I knew, writing I, could pull that. I, knew I could pull that one off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, on that note, this is Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. We are two teachers talking, and you can and figure talking, out the talking, rest. And talking. <laughs> Dot com. Right. At Gmail and Skype. Et cetera, et cetera. Okay, Tony, well, Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you. And it's 2015. Let's make it a good one. Yeah. Make it a great one. Okay, yeah. be well. All righty.